Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Chilly, isn't it? Chilly? Father Henry said it was a nice morning. Maybe, okay. Sort of, sort of nice, too cold. Anyway, um, that gospel reading that you just heard, it's a beautiful reading, but to really understand it, you had to know what came before it, okay? So it was sort of the second half of last Sunday's gospel. So let me refresh your minds on last Sunday's gospel. It's really it's a story about Jesus. Um, he has been baptized, so he's beginning his public ministry. And uh, he goes back to Galilee, the, the county in which he grew up. And we're told uh, last Sunday that the people were, were, I mean, they thought he was doing a good job and uh, they were very pleased. But then in today's gospel, we find that he actually goes home. That is, he goes home to, he goes home to the, the village where he, where he grew up. And also he goes home to the, I was going to say the church, to the synagogue that he was reared in, okay? So he's, he's right back in the place where he had spent many years. And so when he, when he arrives there, he uh, asks to receive the, the, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. It's handed to him, and he pokes around in the school until he finds the place that he wants to read, okay? And this is what he reads, okay? He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me. He has sent me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives, recovery of sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. And we're told that uh, he said to them, he said, today he says, this scripture passage is fulfilled in your midst. And we're told that the eyes of everybody, the eyes of everybody was, was fixed upon him. And then they, the story goes on, and uh, it says, also it says that people seem happy with them. But then very, very soon we discover that the opposite is true. That is, they get upset. And by the time he's finished his talking, we're told that they're furious with him. And they literally picked him up, brought him outside. They wanted to throw him over, over, over the top of the hill, but he escaped out of the midst. And so you say to yourself, what? really happened there? Why, why was there such a, a change of temperament so very, very quickly? I mean, they're happy with him on the one hand, and by the time, by the time he's finished, they're furious with him. Well, the, the, bottom, the bottom line is, when he read that, that quotation that I read for you, really, he was making a statement. He was saying, I am, I am a messiah, okay? Uh, I'm sorry, I am a prophet. I am a prophet. And that really got to them. Let's face it. He, like, they've known him for, for 30 years. He's an ordinary chap going around. And all of a sudden, he stands up in the midst. He reads from, the, from, the, from the Isaiah. And he says at the end of it, he says, I am a prophet. So he's making a claim. He's making a claim that they didn't fully, they didn't fully appreciate or understand. But then it gets worse. That is, he goes on to talk about two other prophets that lived hundreds of years ago. One is Elijah, 
and the other is Alicia. And it says, if, if you listen to the text, it says the two of them, it says that Elijah went to a widow in Zarephath and helped her out during a time of famine in Israel. So in essence, he left his own, his own people and he went and he helped this poor pagan widow. Similarly, similarly, Elisha, we're told, it says there were many lepers in Israel during the time of, uh, during Elisha's time, but Elisha went off and helped, uh, helped a leper who was a Syrian, okay? So both of them, in a sense, did their ministry, some of, not all of them, but did some of their ministry outside of their own country. And then, in essence, what Jesus was saying is, I'm, I am a prophet, uh, in the, in the model of those two individuals. That's who I am. That is, I intend to, in my life, do, do what, they, what they have already done. And got, that got the people furious because for them, they were, the, they were the chosen people. And if he was going to do anything of, of any consequence, he should have been doing it for them, all for them, nothing for, no, nothing for foreigners. So they were so caught up in the fact that God was their God, that God was for them and he was for God, and God, he, they was for, for God, okay? And consequently, consequently, he couldn't dream from their perspective. He, couldn't, he shouldn't even dream of ministering to people who, who are from the outside. Because after all, they're, they're a bunch of, people on the outside are a bunch of pagans. They're pagans. Uh, they're people who, have, who had fought with the Israelites over the years. So why would you in any way do anything for them? You with it so far? It's a, just, it's a very, in, a very interesting how, how he, he got caught up. And in other words, what they believed was they are the chosen people. Nobody else is important except them. And I think the message, the message that, that, uh, that uh, he was making to them was the fact that God is concerned not just about them, he is concerned about everybody. So I think of that in relationship to, to the people of, uh, the people of, uh, of uh, that were li living at that point in time, in that particular place, they felt that God was only for them, not for other people. Is there a possibility in today's world that the exact opposite is happening? That is that, that we're, even though we may not state it publicly, that we're of the opinion that in today's world we are the chosen people. And we tend to forget all those people who are out there, who are living lives of misery. You know, I think in the last 10 years, Pope Francis has been, has been a wonderful champion of the needs of the poor. It's interesting, you know, anywhere he goes, he usually finds, he usually finds a group that is really struggling that he reaches out to. For example, I remember several years ago, a, a group of migrants came across from across the Mediterranean. And when they landed, when they landed in an island off the, off the coast of Italy, he was there to welcome them and to offer mass for them. In, in essence, they were sort of, they were a bunch, a bunch of migrants, probably illegal. But he was making a statement then and there that those are ordinary individuals like us, and consequently, they need to be ministered to. Also, it's interesting when Francis, several years ago, came to, to the United States. He was here three days, so his time, his time was very, very precious while he was here. But believe it or not, he carved out several hours 
where he could go to a prison and minister to those prisoners who were there. Similarly, you may recall a couple of years ago when, uh, on Holy Thursday, when, he, when you have the, that ceremony called the washing of the feet. And you know, most places, most places where the feet are washed, it's 12 men who, who wash the feet, of, of the, or 12 men who have their, their feet washed. For Francis, on the other hand, his group consisted of a lot of women, number one, number one, and, and, and also somebody who was a Muslim, and also somebody who had, who had no religion at all. He was, again, he was making a statement that those individuals, those individuals are God's people, and for that reason, they're very, very important. Very recently, uh, as you know, we have, we have a ministry in Haiti, and very recently, somebody said to me, uh, I believe you guys, he says, go, go and do, do work in Haiti. He says, why do you do that? He says, isn't it, isn't it a waste of time? Haiti is a failed country, so why do you waste your time going there uh, into a situation where people are just, you know, they're, they have no ambition, they have nowhere to go, they're sort of stuck there, and anything you do for them probably doesn't amount to that much anyway. That was, uh, that's, uh, that was his thinking, and that thinking is not unusual in this day and age. Obviously, the reason why we go to Haiti and try and make some difference, and I say some difference in Haiti, is because we believe, we believe that the people in Haiti, and there are 11 million of them there, that those are God's people like us. And each and every one of them has, has a, a dignity, uh, uh, and uh, they have a, an outlook in life which is theirs, which is unique to them, and needs to be respected. So I just invite you today to think about to think about uh, the world in which we live and think about the fact that, you know, we're sort of, we are the privileged one, let, let's face it. We truly are. We're, we're, really, we're really blessed to be living here and to be able to enjoy so many good things because all you have to do is look around you at the world in which we live today. There's so many people who are dispossessed, so many people who are starving, so many people who are not really sure what tomorrow is going to bring as far as they are concerned. So it's a reminder to us that like those, like those people in, uh, in Galilee many years ago, that let's not get complacent. Let's, not, let's, let's always remember, let's always remember that, that we're truly blessed and that because of that, we have a tremendous res responsibility to the world in which we live. In, in conclusion, I'd like to say, even with regard to our ministry in Haiti, with regard to our, our different ministries here, like the most recent one being, being the Lazarus ministry, that generally our people are, are very, very, are very generous and continue to contribute and to help out in so many different ways. And I'd say congratulations for that, but let's not in any way get complacent and let, let's always remember that we have a tremendous responsibility uh, as far as our world is, is concerned. And keep in mind always the little quotation from, from Scripture that says, to whom much is given, to whom much is given, much is expected. Much has been given to us, and for that reason, we have a tremendous responsibility to share it with those who are in need. Amen.